Welcome to the Market Tech, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. The Market Tech is for and about the world's best product marketers and the chief marketing officers that own the function. Today, we are so fortunate, like really fortunate. I, I've chased these people to come and sit on this show because I think they're at the top of their game. They're three content marketing leaders, each at different organizations at different maturity levels. One is, you know, chasing 500 million AR, the other 5 billion, the other 50 billion. Um, I'm rounding up. They all don't just start with the five, but close enough. Uh, they're going to share some of their best practices as it relates to building both content marketing teams and thereafter high quality audience driven content that does what else? Fuel revenue engine. Why else create content? And now it's my pleasure to introduce you to Heike from Salesforce, not Heike, as I got it wrong initially, Ashley from Atlassian, and last but not least, Devin from Gong. Welcome, folks. Hey, good Thank to be you. here. Indulge me just for a moment. We're going to get to a lot of heavy hitting questions, but indulge me for a moment. Two fill in the blanks. I help with my kids, you know, with all their homework every night. And it's always fill in the blank, fill in the blank. So I'm going to give you a fill in the blank. I have to deal with this. So you have to deal with it. We'll start with Heike, Ashley, and then Devin. I am in marketing because. All right. I get to go first. I am in marketing because I get to make cool things with cool people and keep a full-time job. Love it. Ashley. I am in marketing because I like to match problems and solutions for people. Ooh, problem solutions with people. I guess building cool things and getting paid for it. Devin, you are in marketing because, and you can't say Udi forced you to. I know you were sales before. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, no, uh, I would say because, you know, and, and I kind of like didn't do the prep before because I wanted to give you like gut answers today, the honest truth, whatever comes first, even if it's not necessarily the best or most refined answers, uh, though I did look at the script beforehand. Um, <laughs> I would say because it lets me exercise my creativity and because I enjoy messaging at scale. Oof, I love that. Exercise your creativity and you enjoy messaging at scale. You're in the right profession then. Second fill in the blanks. Let's stay with you, Devin. My definition of leadership is? Uh, doing the right thing for the right person at the right time. Wow. Okay. Simple and effective. I love that. Ashley, my definition of leadership is? I would steal Devin's answer, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a different one. And I think it's uh, empowering my team to add more value for our audience. Brilliant. Okay. My definition of leadership is, we'll start with what it's not. It is not a job title or a size of team, but the degree to which you influence others, collaborate with them and ship work as a team. Oof. I like it. hitting stuff. I love it. I love it. Okay. So now let's get to it. We'll start with a basic question, but there's, there's nothing basic really about potentially the answer to this. And there's quite of ambiguity, believe it or not. What's the role, and this is open to everyone. What's the role of content marketing, especially in a SaaS company? So I would say it helps us educate, acquire, retain, and delight our audience. So it drives sales. 
It helps us improve usability and it helps our audience be successful. Um, I think the biggest thing that it does not do is drive MQLs. Um, AKA people who may not be ready to buy. So they, you know, yes, it can help us drive leads and intent, but we should really be looking at this as something that people are able to self-serve as well. So that at all stages of the customer life cycle, they're empowered to solve their problems. All right. I'm happy to jump in. And I love what you said, Ashley, about self-service. And I actually have thought a lot recently about this analogy of content marketing um, as providing a playground, right? It's not a linear journey. It's a playground for people to play around in, experiment with formats, channels, um, with, with the messages and helpful content that works for them. You know, Rowan, I would actually push back a little on the term content marketing itself. I started my SaaS career at Exact Target right before the Salesforce acquisition nearly a decade ago um, in content marketing and with the content marketing job title. Um, and in recent years, though, I've, I've leaned much more into the term content strategy, uh, still within marketing, still built on a foundation of content. But I'm tired of content marketers being seen as the junior employees who can write your blog post for you. And especially when we are increasingly getting a seat at the table as content leaders next to product marketing leaders, like many of the folks listening to this show, like brand marketing leaders, like campaign leadership. I think the distinction of content strategy to me has become an important one. And it's building a strategy, you know, back to your question of where does this kind of the value, where does it fit and what does it provide? It's connecting the disparate dots of content into a unified um, journey and experience that's inclusive of findability like SEO, inclusive of big mar market moments like events, like brand campaigns and, and uh, all of that built into one calendar. And one that is full of diverse, interesting voices that bring everything to life on channels and formats that resonate with the audience. And so, uh, and that includes communities and social, by the way. Um, so I think content strategy, it's that one group uh, that ties it all together. Uh, and you can push back any day. Uh, and more importantly, we welcome you to the table with uh, with product marketing, the strategic table. So I, I'm glad you said that. I think it's my turn, but I want to spend the first part of my turn just upvoting what Heike just said. Like if I had like the little like joystick, like upvote, upvote. Um, I, I agree completely. And it kind of builds off what, what Ashley said, which is like it's, it's not MQLs and it is bringing a, a cohesive content experience together, which is why when I entered content, I, I specifically picked the title content strategy as like a North star for myself and the department of what we are here to accomplish. Uh, so, I, so I love that. When I describe what content marketing or what I say the content team does at Gong, it's to build brand awareness and pipeline. Uh, that's what shows up, you know, typically in, you know, metrics and dashboards. Uh, but what Jonathan on my team uh, said is, you know, hey, we're here to win the hearts and minds of our audience. Uh, and if you do that, all, all, all the other metrics should follow. Uh, again, you know, assuming you're being strategic and intentional with your decisions. Hearts and minds of the audience you choose to serve. I absolutely love that. And, and you know, good on all three of you for saying that this needs to be a more strategic function. You're not there to just build out uh, blogs and eBooks as they're, as they're, um, yeah. as they're requested. So fantastic. Uh, today, where does content marketing, Heike, I'm not going to annoy you, content strategy <laughs> reside uh, in your organizations? Who does it report? to and and perhaps if you know you had a magic wand where should it reside and who should it report to which may be different than your current environment 
Quick answer. So I report to uh, our VP of marketing, but the demand gen side of the house. So we're basically like, you know, to, I'd say Gryffindor and Slytherin, but I don't want to make them Slytherin. So, uh, you know, I'm on the demand gen side of the house. Product marketing is the other side. Content happens to be on demand gen. I've heard it be on product marketing. I've heard it be under creative. From my, you know, limited expertise, I don't think that matters as much so much as what we just covered in the previous answer of like, what is your mission? How are you going about doing it? And is the person you're reporting to helping with that mission or preventing you from doing it? So that that's kind of my two cents there. But I'm I'm curious to hear what uh, what Ashley and Heike say who they who they roll into. Yeah, we have definitely a number of different content teams at Salesforce. It's an eighty thousand person company. We don't just have one team that can say we own content, right? Everybody's creating content out there. Um, but I can talk today about what I've spent the majority of the past two and a half years focused on, which is our sales cloud uh, audience. And so for us. We have a content strategy leader reporting to an experiences team leader uh, who oversees events, campaigns, content, uh, and communities for a persona like sales cloud service uh, marketing and so on. We also have a brand content strategy team reporting through our SVP of brand that's focused more on those brand level initiatives um, like Team Earth. We have experimented with content reporting to PMM for things like sales cloud in the past, having a dotted line to PMM, which is more where we are now. Uh, and I agree completely with what Devin said. I think the reporting structure matters less than the collaboration and the executive buy-in. So you can have a manager and a team member who collaborate really well, who are all bought in on the purpose of content, uh, or you can have two peers who collaborate really well and provide that same value and, and put the audience first. Um, the main thing, as I think probably all of us have discovered is, you know, this is a cultural shift to think of content as a media product, as audience first. And you got to have leadership who buys into that vision and who can speak to it just as well as the content marketers on the team can. So that is the biggest um, nugget of importance to me. Yeah. Heiko, we're, we're the same. Um, it's funny too, you were mentioning thinking of content as a playground. I'm like, that's how I think of it as well. But, and, and I think that that mindset shift um, and that that informs the way you do strategy. It informs how you think of channels and assets, which then obviously informs how you've structured things to make sure that you're not shipping your org chart. So my struggle, Devin, when you talk about um, content reporting into demand gen, I start to get really twitchy because it's it's still in that old school linear funnel mindset where it's like the goal is to rush people to a purchase with as few touch points as possible. And I would say, you know, Heike, I'm curious to hear how you think about the playground mindset. But for me, the big shift is that it should be an endless journey with seamless handoffs at every touch point. And that way people can go whichever order, you know, up, down, sideways. So what that means at Atlassian is that we also, similar to Salesforce, have a variety of different content teams. So we have an editorial team that focuses on brand content, um, things like culture, things like topics like teamwork, those types of things. We also have content mapped into different PMM organizations. So I actually sit and report into an SVP of PMM. Um, and that's, that's where it focuses on things like guides, tutorials, matching the practices with the products. We also have social media and community mapped into a couple, couple of different places. We do have an overall community team and they have someone who focuses specifically on community content. So quality of answers, making sure that we're featuring experts from our community and our customers. So I think the big thing to your point is the alignment. What are we driving toward? Is it audience centric? Is it focused on the entire journey? 
or are we just very squarely focused on we just need to get leads? Um, Atlassian uses primarily a self-service model. We do have a high-touch portion of the business, but we're fortunate that we have you know a free account tier so that we don't have to kind of have that barrier of gated content. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up when they do their organizational structures. It's like, okay, well, somebody has to be accountable for revenue. And the only way to make that not be only the sales team is to basically put in that MQL marker. And I think that in the playground mindset, you end up having a more holistic view of quality, quantity, and a variety of metrics to make sure that those are matched throughout the audience journey. Fantastic. And I love the strategic mindset of, of uh, uh, the, the answer to this question. It's, um, it's, it's true that content is a fuel for the revenue engine and end of the day. We, we need the leads uh, because, and we need to nurture the leads to close. Uh, but if you take that sole mindset, then it becomes a very tactical approach uh, rather than a customer-centric, audience-centric approach, which is they have a tough time buying. They have a very, very strategic and important decision to be made. And so they need all the tools at their disposal in a variety of formats and manners and, and not just content written by you. They need content that is written by uh, the influencers that ideally you're influencing in the space. So um, I, I love the answer to the question. I hold each of you in the absolute highest of regards, but you know, let's keep it real. It takes a village to build a content that makes gong gong at last in at last in Salesforce, Salesforce. Um, and you're each at different stages of your maturity curve. Again, I said before, you know, one's 500 ARR, the other's chasing 5 billion, the other 50 billion. How are you building out your teams today? Or how did you build out your teams in the past? What are those crucial roles, especially at the foundational level, that you absolutely need to get the ball rolling? Yeah. So when I took on um, my role as content strategy lead for Sales Cloud um, two and a half years ago, I initially was a team of one. So I know a lot of people listening, you may think Salesforce, wow. you know, I've, I've always had all these resources. Not the case. <laughs> um, I've definitely been part of teams, even at Salesforce, where I, you know I was responsible for driving a huge part of our business with you know just a, a team of myself. Um, and so when I was a team of one, I did not get a ton of work published. I did a lot of audience insights, a lot of strategic thinking around our content themes. You know what our calendar could look like. Um, I remember researching and writing one big resource guide myself that year on sales forecasting. It took a lot of my time, <laughs> and other than that, uh, I was just waiting until I could hire some more people. And so um, eventually we were able to build out a fantastic team, um, including, so we have uh, an editorial lead uh, who manages kind of all editorial day-to-day -day content planning uh, and editing for our pot of writers, three writers, um, each who really became subject matter experts in their own right and really well-versed in our personas. One tactic I really liked that we did for most of 2021 was to have each of these sales club writers assigned to a beat or a specific persona, if you will, so they could go deep and know that audience really well um, and, and keep the pulse on, you know, the communities that those folks were interested in, you know, what, what was happening on social and bring all of that into the content. Um, we also had a stint where we had a designated operations person just for content on our team to manage metrics, reporting, and optimization. Operations are the unsung hero of a content team. And I'm lucky now I get to benefit from a centralized content operations team that we have on our brand team. Uh, but contrary to what some people, you know, might think, I don't necessarily think a content strategy leader 
has to offer writers. That's a value add that maybe you want to provide. Um, but remember, we don't want everyone else in the company thinking we're the in-house agency for writing blog posts. We're leading the content strategy. <laughs> so if you don't have writers in-house, if you don't have the ability to have that um, hired yourself, you will consider freelancers probably that you work very closely with or an mm -hmm. agency where you know and can develop those writers over time um, to get high quality work at a fast clip. Uh, and finally, just multimedia support. So for us, video is extremely important to our strategy. We have a number of different ways that um, we've looked at bringing in. Some teams have maybe more of that support in-house, some are contracting out more of that support, um, but I definitely wouldn't limit your content strategy team thoughts just to uh, written content. I'll, I'll plus one to all of that of looking at across different skill sets. Um, and it's funny, I think the, the misconception that bigger companies, because there's a lot of people that the resources get put in exactly the same place. Um, obviously, we're, we all have our blinders. We're like, my skill or my discipline is the most important. Um, so one interesting thing that came about, I, I think actually Atlassian is going through a little bit of an evolution on this front for two reasons. First, one of our values is be the change you seek. And that's a little bit of a double-edged sword because there are a lot of people who may see one small part of the traditional funnel that they think is broken. And they're like, I'm going to be the change that I seek and I'm going to tackle this content. Um, and so as we've grown, we've started to realize that, okay, actually we do need to up-level this and it does need to be a shared strategy across a bunch of different teams and functions. It's not just everyone's solving this small portion of the problem that they own. It's making sure that the problem is defined and shared across the organization. That also came about because as you, we've, we've kind of shifted how we look at going to market. You see, even in our shareholder letters, we talk about bigger market segments that we service. So instead of just focusing on a specific point product, we're really thinking about how do we provide the right solution at the right time for the right people including Atlassian products, but also including um, third party, you know, or partner products that other people might want to bring in and integrate with our products. So both of those factors mean that we're starting to kind of coalesce around a bunch of different skills and one strategy instead of saying, okay, I'm just going to hire a writer for my particular topic or a technical writer for my particular element of support documentation or something like that. So similar to Heiko, we're looking at not just writers or strategists, we're looking at people who can think across different types of content. And yes, they may specialize in a certain channel or a certain asset type, but the key is having at least a couple of those skills. Um, I really like the T-shaped framework for professionals where you've got some breadth across a couple of different disciplines and then you've got depth in one discipline. And so I think as we think about even the discipline of content marketing inside and outside Atlassian, we're really thinking about how do we find those T-shaped people who can become SMEs, who can help shape what we're doing in each channel. Um, I would say too that having multimedia or graphic design or web dev skills is becoming more common on our content teams. It's not just producing written content or producing a brief for an agency. It's having people with those specific skills um, to produce multimedia, to produce video, to do animation, um, focusing in specifically on content for social media and those different types of assets. That's something that we're also looking to make sure that we've got breadth of our skill sets, not just niche skill sets tied to one specific initiative. 
Brilliant. My, uh, you said T. I, then I started thinking Mr. T. And then I started thinking A team. And now I'm going to date myself here. But you can't have an A team without the T. So I'll always remember that. Thank you. Uh, Devin. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you said Mr. T, I thought you were going the gold chain route. Like uh, Ashley, like in her, at her home office, there's like a bunch of gold chains on, which I, I like. That's good content in my book. Yeah. So we're, I mean, we're uh, a team of five. Uh, you know, there's only, there's 50 folks on the marketing team at Gong, five of them are on the content team, myself included. Um, so we're still in that generalist phase where no one gets to just do one thing. Uh, you know, I was, I think it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, before this, I said to, you know, Ashley and Heike, I was like, I'm, I'll probably gonna be quiet today, just learning and listening from, from you two. Uh, so to hear you say, hey, we're all still figuring it out and, and learning. That's, that's great to hear. Yeah, so we started with generalists. I was a one-person team as well. Shout out to anyone listening who started as a one-person team. It's very common. And so we started just scaling, essentially adding somebody once every six months for a very specific reason, usually more output, um, you know, brand awareness, you know, when, when demand gen, you know, we got a director of demand gens, you know, we had to get more leads in the funnel. Then we launched a category. So we align our roles uh, with strategic initiatives every single year. And so we're at five now. We're just getting from like kind of pure generalist to specialized generalist, which is like, yes, we have Jordan, who's phenomenal. She joined to help with our enterprise content, but she does brand and she does, you know, kind of quote demand gen content or pipeline gen efforts. Uh, and by the way, you're going to work on the Super Bowl campaign too. like have fun. You know what I mean? So we're, we're all kind of in there getting after it. And uh, where we're heading now is is more specialized. We just brought in a managing editor. Uh, I kind of joke with people. I say, you know, we Gong and marketing, we, we intend, I would say we knowingly traded process for productivity for about three years. And now we're introducing process and uh, Russ, you probably know Russ Rowan, you know, he's like, you know, we're just going through growing pains. We're going through growing pains. And I'm like, no, we're going through slowing pains and it's driving me crazy. Cause I'm used to moving fast and, and seeing results. Uh, so that's kind of where we are now for some of the folks that might be listening with kind of like, you know, smaller, smaller orgs and teams. And um, yeah, we're just, you know, we're adding people again, like I said, every three to six months, either for a dedicated channel, like we're hiring a social media person now, because we've had a lot of success there. We want someone dedicated to it. Um, but the back half of the year, we're going to align a new content marketer specifically to a persona because we're opening up those doors and starting to, um, you know, market to other personas. So that's how we're, we're viewing it. And uh, last thing I'll say, if you feel like you're understaffed and overwhelmed in content marketing, like congrats, like welcome to the club. Everybody's a little overwhelmed and understaffed. Lovely. And, and you know, this is, this really aligns to what I thought you, you, each of you might say, because gong, you guys are growing. And so, yes, unfortunately, Devin, you have to introduce some process that, you know, typically you like the agile way, but process will help you scale. Uh, but I love what you said that you have five people and you align to strategic initiatives. So, you know, um, what you're pushing for that year or that given quarter. Ashley, with the Mr. T and A-team reference, that might have been me paraphrasing a little bit, but I love the breadth and the depth that is required, absolutely. And then Heike, your, your editorial lead with very subject matter expert-oriented writers, you, your reliance on content ops, reliance as needed on freelancers and agencies to scale, um, and multimedia support. So I, I like how you folks are uh, are building this per the maturity and perhaps resources that you have at your disposal. Um, so we talked about content marketing, what it is, content strategy. Sorry, Heike. Uh, we talked about who it reports to, what the team ought to look like, depending on your maturity. So it's 
you know, we'll paint you a picture here. It's end of fiscal year. You're looking back at your team's effort. And what does success look like? So what metrics are you aligning your success to as a content marketing, content strategy, content team? jump in on this one. I want to plus one to what Devin said about aligning to strategic initiatives. So I think before you get to the end of the fiscal year to say, did we, were we successful? You need to start at the beginning of the fiscal year and say, what are the company level OKRs? So at Atlassian, we use objectives and key results. So everything that we do, we want to ladder that up to a specific key result, which then ladders up to a specific objective. So there's a mix of quantitative and qualitative things that we look at. Obviously, we want to see growth across all of our content, but that includes things like satisfaction and usefulness on kind of our documentation and community side. That includes traditional metrics from an organic or SEO standpoint in terms of traffic growth or rankings in search engine results pages. That includes conversion rates from a signups perspective or you know, using things in product. So I think depending on the team, they're gonna have different metrics, but the biggest thing is making sure that everything that we create and we put out there to the world ladders up to a customer satisfaction goal or a monthly active users goal or a churn related or retention related goal so that we don't just end up putting out a bunch of content that it's like, we went viral with the complete wrong audience and the complete wrong message. Like you can get a ton of views on social or get a ton of traffic to a landing page, but if that doesn't actually result in some of those traditionally down funnel metrics like monthly active users or customer satisfaction um, or retention rates, then you've missed the mark because you weren't aligned from the very beginning. So I would actually say, I hope we don't get to the end of the fiscal year and we're like, what should we have measured or what, what's the one metric to rule them all? Because there's not one metric to rule them all. It really depends per team and how it ladders up to the OKRs. Ashley, staying with you for a quick second, you said satisfaction and usage. And then I was going to ask you a question and then you clarified customer satisfaction usage. But are you also surveying qualitatively your sales team, your demand gen folks, people who are leveraging this and uh, this wonderful content that you're producing uh, for their satisfaction and their usage of these assets before it gets to the customer? Yeah. So I'm less familiar with that process. I sit more on kind of our self-service side of the house. I would say we're actually kind of going through an evolution on the high touch side of the house to make sure that we have good pitch decks, to make sure that we have good battle cards, talk tracks um, for engagements with customers. So I think we're actually in the process of doing a better job measuring that. Same thing on channel and partners. So we do have a partner portal. We do have channel programs that run in a different portion of the organization. So people who are on that side of the house are definitely having those conversations. Um, it touches us sometimes on the self-service side of the house, because again, once you get the deal signed, you still have to enable all of those users. And a lot of the self-service content is the way to do that at scale. But we're not talking as much to our internal stakeholders on the sales side in the portion of the organization where I sit. Heike, Devin, love to hear your thoughts on what does success look like for the Gong and the Salesforce content team? 
Yes. Um, we have thought a lot about <laughs> metrics for content over the years and what makes sense. Um, there's kind of two frameworks I'll introduce you to. One is our V2 mom process. And for anybody who's listening, if you've never heard like Mark Benioff at Dreamforce talk about the V2 mom, you've never heard anybody at Salesforce talk about it. It really is the Kool-Aid that all of us drink every day when it comes to how our, our philosophy on measuring uh, our performance. And so what it stands for is vision values, methods, obstacles, and measures. So at the beginning of the fiscal year, we would go through and set up all of those things. The first two vision and values really being, you know, what's our vision for this team? What are the values? Maybe three or four things that when we're having a, when we're faced with making a difficult decision, what are the values that we can look into um, kind of inside ourselves and just reflect on introspectively in terms of, well, what are the values guiding me? What is my North star? And how can I make this tough choice in a limited amount of time with limited data? And that's, we go back to our values to do that. Uh, and then our methods, our obstacles, and our measures, pretty straightforward. And so if we dial into the measures piece for just a second for content, this has evolved quite a bit for us over the past few years. And we've actually built out a pretty sophisticated, probably the coolest content dashboard that I've ever had the privilege of getting to work with um, in the past couple of years. And so our content dashboard um, actually calculates a content performance score for each piece of content based on three things. Did we attract new audiences? Did we keep them engaged? And did we move them to a next step? So did we attract new audiences as things like, is it a customer versus a prospect audience? So for something like our blog it has a very high percentage of folks who are prospects visiting, and that's terrific. Um, did we keep them engaged? So this could be things like time on page, if it's a video, a duration viewed of that video, heat mapping to look at how much of that long piece of content did people actually engage with. I know for me, I really nerd out when I create that long article where all of the H1s are different SEO questions, and I see that people scrolled all the way down to the very bottom and spent, you know, four or seven or eight minutes on the page. That is so exciting to me. Uh, and lastly, did we move them to a next step? So this is things like clicks to CTAs, newsletter subscribes, guided tour actions, and other farther down that proverbial funnel um, types of actions. And so if I've done those three things as a content strategist, um, I've really done my job. Oh, I love it. Attract, engage, move. It's a different way of spelling aim. So you guys are aiming. I, that's that's phenomenal. And we got to trademark that if uh, no one thought about aim before. Uh, Devin, what does success look like at Gong for the content team? Yeah, it, it's uh, Ashley started her answer with mine, which is, you know, there's a there's a slide that we all start the year with. All of the teams are aligning to that in one way, shape or form. Uh, and then we, you know, build KPIs throughout the quarter for each individual on the team. Um, so it varies. And it was funny too, Ashley, you know, you kind of mentioned like I get I get nervous when you say demand gen and that's uh, that's who I report to. Uh, I have like both. I have like, you know, the, the devil and the angel on my shoulder. One is like, move them through the funnel. And the other one's like, delight them with brand content. And I'm usually the moderator uh, in the org for that. So uh, the way that I've balanced it with my team is most folks, there's, there's kind of like two ways we, we divide up KPIs. And, and so like, you know, you know, it's revenue, it's, it's, it's audience growth. Like those are the high level stuff. I'll get a little more tactical to kind of balance it out here. Is everyone on my team, you know, uh, for example, Nahal, she would align with a core content goal, which was LinkedIn follower growth, because that's how we were measuring audience growth for a long time, because we were all in on LinkedIn. But she would also align her other KPI with the events team, because she would work with the events team a lot. So whatever the events team was measuring as their success, uh, you know, their KPI, she would have that. Same thing with Jonathan and digital, same thing with uh, Jordan and ABM. And so what it is, is a forcing function of, you know, whatever that metric is, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna go work with those teams and make sure that we're successful. 
The other thing is making sure if possible that one's more pipeline gen focused and one's more brand. So Jordan, who works on a market content, she has ABM, you know, enterprise pipeline. That's one of her goals. The other one is podcast growth. One is extremely measurable. The other one is like the, you know, the black box of content. Like, how do you even know if you have a podcast unless, you know what I mean, Rowan, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, it's a good, you know, it's a good balance. And I do this on purpose. And sometimes, you know, we swing a little bit more towards the demand gen for a quarter. And I'll tell, you know, I'll tell Russ, hey, we need to, we need to be mindful. We can't be going down this road too much and forget some of this top of funnel playground stuff. I'm stealing your phrasing uh, that we know keeps people around. And I'm really, you know, gracious that our CMO and CEO let me do some leap of faith marketing, which is like, they know if it's the right thing to do and we execute it right, it doesn't have to show up on a dashboard or maybe the one you're expecting it to, uh, but you might see or hear it, you know, like, you know, no, not plugging gong, but we listen to gong calls to hear how people are responding to our content. You can hear it. You know, are people talking about the category revenue intelligence? That's a great way to know if your revenue intelligence content is working and resonating is if people are talking about it. Listen, demand gen, product marketing, sales, customer success, they're all nudging you for more, more, and then some more content. How do you balance? So Devin just talked about the devil and the angel on his shoulder that's always whispering to him about what the, he should be building. How, how are you approaching content in a strategic manner with all these stakeholders asking for your, um, your services? All right, everyone's being super polite. I'll just go again, I guess. Uh, <laughs> So I'll say is like, the first thing I say, Ron, is like every, you know, uh, for our team, no, I haven't heard of a marketing team who's short on ideas. They're short on execution, time and resources to do it. And so the first thing I think of is like, when I get an idea, like I try to qualify it. Is this a, you know, I just got done on the Peloton and I got runners high and I'm just going to shoot Devin a long video of all these ideas that maybe shouldn't be done ever or not immediately. Um, and the way that I do that is ask, you know, Hey, what are you trying to accomplish with this? What is the thing that, you know, you want to point back at and say, okay, we did it and it works. Like, what's that thing that you're looking for? Um, if, you know, if you can't figure that out, then it's probably not a great idea yet. It's, you know, it's half baked. Um, and then when you do get to that answer, then you go back to those strategic initiatives and say, okay, which one of these, if any, does it align to? If it aligns to it and you can do it now, then you start to figure out how you can put it into your process and your plan. If it's something that doesn't align to those five things and you simply, it's a no brainer. The, this is, doesn't make sense right now, but I have a list of ideas on a Google doc of ideas that made no sense at the time. And two years later, we're perfectly timed. And so it's all about capturing those. And I always try to validate the person coming up with this idea. Like, thank you. Keep them coming. I have a million bad ideas. I just don't publish all of them. So you don't see all of them as much. And so that's, a, you know, an easy way to kind of prioritize. And then the other one, like I said, we get resource allocation and headcount because I promise this person's going to, to that strategic goal. So it's like, we know exactly what to look at six months later to see, hey, is this person performing? Is it working out? Uh, so it's pretty clear, like I said, along the way, you shouldn't be like December 31st or January 31st, depending on your year ends. You know, was Devin's team, was individual on Devin's team successful or not? I think the, the number of like, why now? For who? Uh, I feel like that's, that's the more of the traffic coordinator kind of stuff that we do. Some people it's calendars or some people it might be, you know, email or Slack messages, but I feel like for a lot of content folks, it's uh, idea traffic gatekeeper of, of does this idea make sense right now in this way. One big thing I'll say, we are really fortunate to have a robust um, customer research organization, research and insights organization. So they 
provide us with market insights. They provide us with customer insights. They provide us with competitive insights. And so having access to all of that combined with, you know, any customer interviews that our PMMs have done or any feedback from product about, hey, we keep getting the same question over and over again. So really looking at that customer journey, both from a qualitative insight standpoint, and then also from a data standpoint that, okay, you say we're getting this question a lot. So if we create content to solve that question or make that question more visible, what happens once we do that? Let's go look at the data to see if it resonated with people. I think the other big pushback, and this is something that I struggle with, it feels really good to ship. Like pushing publish feels really good. And especially net new, it's one big shiny thing that you can say, hey, we were super productive. We published 20 pieces of content, but that ignores whether or not those pieces of content are good, whether the audience wants them, whether they perform well, whether they did what they should do. So I have actually suggested that we go back and do more optimization and repurposing of content rather than assuming that everything is net new. There's a lot of people, especially as the organization gets bigger, like I see you being like, yes, and I'm sure this is a problem at Salesforce as well. And, and Devin, it sounds like even at Gong, just a lot of people don't know the amount of stuff we already have. And so it's not uncommon for somebody to come and be like, we should do this. And I'm like, oh, you mean like this thing that we literally just did last month? They're like, yes, that, except I want to put it over here. Great. We don't need to recreate the wheel to put that over there. We can slice and dice it for LinkedIn. We could turn it into a video for YouTube. We could turn that video into a transcript and then edit into a narrative to turn it into a blog post. Like there's so many different ways that we could repurpose the content versus creating that new. So I think there's optimization and then there's also repurposing. And those in a lot of cases can help you meet those good ideas, but in a more efficient way. Um, so for us, it's really looking at the audience journey and then also looking at what have we already done that worked that we could potentially build on. Yeah. I feel very seen by this conversation and it was cheaper than therapy. So thank <laughs> you for all that you've shared. And the only thing I would add is, you know, I don't want to be the content police. That's not a fun job. I do want to be your content strategist. So if you're the product marketer, if you're the campaigns lead, if you're the VP of sales and you've got a great idea for content, that's fantastic. Let's discuss it strategically because content is not free. It's financial, human capital, so many resources, technological resources that go into publishing, creating that content. And we need to look at it um, as, a, as an asset and how we want to spend that asset over time um, in a more strategic way. Brilliant. Uh, content is a financial commitment and as such prioritize accordingly. I love that. I love that. Let's switch the conversation now to the content itself. Uh, so the decision to purchase a SaaS solution, it, it's, it's really an act of change. And so to drive this change, a cross-functional buying team, not a buyer anymore. There's a cross-functional buying team because just you know, catering to one buyer would be too easy. We've got to make our jobs a little more complicated than that. Uh, cross-functional buying team, they're, they're answering or they have to really answer three questions. And that's why should we change? What are our options for changing? And how do we execute the change? And so how are you, each of you, understanding your customer needs to ensure you're focused on building the right content. And Ashley, I know you mentioned that Atlassian has a robust research engine, but 
Uh, how are you guys constantly understanding your customer needs to ensure that you're focusing on building the right content? I can start on that one. <laughs> Um, so in addition to looking at, you know, the, the more robust reports, I think there is a ton of insight that we can get. We're fortunate to have our community, which includes a mix of power users, super fans, people asking questions, et cetera. Um, so we have the ability just like go skim through those a little bit. Now that we're coming out of COVID, we also have in-person and still a mix of virtual and in-person community groups. And so actually being able to attend those speaking directly with people face to face, it's not scalable, but it informs us so much to be able to bring that information back to our teams and say, these are the quotes I heard. These are the questions I heard. This is a fascinating workflow. How on earth did they build this and why? Like we would have never put it together that way, but it seemed to resonate with the other 20 people who were attending. So that's, that's the first kind of surprising thing is that I would say is do non-scalable things like that. If you wanna do stuff at scale, I think another great way to do that is things like social listening and social monitoring. So there are leading and lagging indicators in social. We see this a lot where people start mentioning competitors that maybe we haven't heard of, or maybe we didn't think we're in our competitive set. Social listening can be a bit of a bellwether when we start to see those competitors come up. That then gives us the opportunity to say, hey, we're starting to see them more and more on social. The lagging indicator that's gonna show up in six, eight, 12 months is in our churn report where we start to see, are these people churning and who are they churning to? And so we can start to kind of coordinate those to say, oh, we should go look at their product tour or go look at their guides or go look at their social media. Let's go see what else they're doing to understand where the conversation is going for the mind of our customers. So it's, we also need to get into kind of the mind of the market and what else, the other information that our consumers are consuming. And then finally, to make sure that we're creating that content for all of those questions, I actually like to think about aligning it to different content depths versus stages of the funnel. So conceptual, strategic, and tactical. And if you map those depths basically to your, why should we change? That's pretty much as usually your conceptual content, which is helping them define the problem space, not just telling them you have this very specific problem and only we can solve it. It's like, no, I'm facing these challenges why is anyone else facing them, you know, help them define the problem space at the strategic level. That's basically your, how might I solve this? Or what steps do I need to take? And so you're helping them understand the solution space, equipping them to do their own research and also matching the processes, mindset shifts, et cetera, that need to happen because no tool is going to solve this by itself. It's not a tool. That's the problem. And then tactically, okay, now here's where the rubber meets the road. What are the daily habits? What are the regular ongoing rituals? Yes, what are some of the tools that you need? And oh, look, we happen to have some tools that can help you do this once you have correctly defined the problem space, once you have had kind of that mindset or process shift, um, then you can start to really start implementing the tool and continue to make those strategic and conceptual ideas reality. That, that was phenomenal. Anyone else want to wait and ask to how you're understanding your customer needs so that you can focus on building the right content? There's going to be a gong pitch, so go for it. You can move on. <laughs> no, make the pitch, Devin. Take the win. Oh, We're here for you. I was laying the table for you, Devin. I was laying the table for you. I but, know. Uh, no, one time where the tool solves it. 
It's funny because even uh, when I started, you know, again, we were very brand focused and awareness focused when I started three years ago, because Gong was, you know, 150 employees, no one knew what conversation or revenue intelligence was. I had this hard, fast rule. We do not talk about product. We talk about problems and that is how we're going to get attention. And so that's why I was going to pass. Like, I don't want to, you know, pitch Gong here, but the truth is, you know, I was a salesperson and then I became a marketer who markets to salespeople. So I knew these things very well. I lived them out. The challenge is I don't expect any of my, you know, uh, marketers who report to me to have been a salesperson. So, and they only get so much time with me and I don't want them to be me. I'm not trying to clone me and make the marketing team. So what we do is we use Gong. Every single person has saved call lists they can go into and listen to, hey, we just hosted a webinar with Robert Cialdini. You can set up a playlist. So anytime the word Robert or webinar or good luck transcription engine, Cialdini, you can hear how people are resonating with that content. You can hear how sales uh, reps are following up with certain campaigns. And the other part though, is on the research side, you know, someone's like, Hey, I'm going to put together a discovery call cheat sheet. Never ran a discovery call in my life. Cool. Go listen to as many discovery calls as you'd like. Go listen to objections, listen to what the prospect is saying they're struggling with. And so we get an unfiltered view into exactly what people are, you know, what their challenges are. And more importantly, how I, you know, coach my team is what are the emotions that they're sharing when they talk about those things? They might say I'm frustrated, but do they seem frustrated when they say it? Like, that's a great, that's a great uh, kind of knife you can twist in your content and make that kind of the focal point. Lovely. And that's not a commercial, that's facts. You know, we, uh, I listen to, to gong calls all the time to listen to our prospects uh, as well as our, our customers. So it's just another means for understanding your customers and prospects needs. Nothing wrong with that. That wasn't a commercial. That's just all right, cool. Well, listen, I am so, so grateful that the three of you lent your time to the product marketing community. Uh, thank you for everything that you do for product marketers and the marketing function in general. It was great to meet you. I'm excited and um, we'll definitely keep in touch on LinkedIn. Talk to you later.